Hi, I'm Kyla. And this is Jay. And you're listening to Strange Fruit by Louisville Public Media. Welcome back, dear listeners. So, Doc, I yes. was perusing the internet, and I came across, you know, as, as I often do <laughs> for, for, the, for the show, mm-hmm. and I came across a really, really um, interesting headline on the LATimes.com. Mm-hmm. The headline says, uh, a wealthy teen was cleared in a South L.A. killing. Critics say his race and privilege helped him win. And so I click on the story, and there is this, um, you know, bright-eyed, blue-eyed uh, white guy, a young white guy, 18 or so years old. He has two black attorneys behind him. And the more I read the story, the more it became really, really intriguing. And so— Yeah, it was a really compelling It read. was. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I showed it, shared it with you. And so we just had to have the writer of that story uh, join us. And I'm so happy— to have, uh, dear listeners, uh, Nicole Santa Cruz from the L.A. Times. Nicole Santa Cruz writes the Homicide Report for the Times. So please welcome to the show, listeners, uh, writer Nicole Santa Cruz. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thanks Thanks for being with us. So as I mentioned, I kind of teased the story a little bit. Uh, I, I read your mm-hmm. headline. I talked about the, the, the striking contrast of the picture of this, of this young white defendant and then two black attorneys. Tell us who is this young boy in this picture and why is he making headlines all throughout California? Um, well, uh, Cameron Terrell is, um, I believe he's already turned 19, but, you know, at the, at the time of the uh, trial, he was 18. And he's from a wealthy, white, uh, predominantly white suburb of L.A. Um, called Palos Verdes. And, um, you know, this kid went to a really nice high school, um, Palos Verdes High, and he would drive around his father's um, black uh, Mercedes Benz, and um, I guess sometime in 2016, he began hanging out in South L.A., and he really stood out in South L.A., and a lot of people in the area were like, you know, who is this kid? Who's this Who's this white kid coming, coming down here and, and trying to hang out over here? Um, in a trial, in the trial, they uh, argued that Cameron had started hanging out in South L.A. because he had made a friend at a park. Um, And this park became a central kind of focus of this murder trial. Um, The park is where a a gang hangs out, and um, his friend um, hung out at the park. He hung out at the park, and then I guess he started hanging out with with gang members there. And uh, in October of 2017, uh, a 21-year-old man named Justin Holmes was killed. Um, He was basically walking uh, either to or from a smoke shop with some of his friends, and um, two uh, young men approached him and his friend, and, you know, they they did the typical gang call-out, you know, where are you from, and... uh, Justin said he wasn't he wasn't from a gang and they shot him anyways. Mm-hmm. Um the driver in that crime was Cameron Terrell. Wow. This this uh you know 18-year-old kid from um Palos Verdes and um you know they caught they got the car on surveillance video and uh it's registered to his father. Um so that's kind of how they tracked tracked Cameron down. So you basically have a, you have a, a white kid from a well-to-do neighborhood mm-hmm. who, as if this is a movie from the early 2000s, is hanging out for lack of a better term in the black part of town trying to be cool uh-huh. and he gets caught up in a situation. Um, does he get charged with murder or accept, like how, what, what char- he was facing just a, a straight out murder charge, is that correct? 
murder, two counts of attempted murder, and I believe there were gang allegations yeah. as well that they were that they were trying to prove as well, because um, the the gang membership became a pretty big part of the case as well. Yeah. Right. It seemed as if, um, from reading your article, um, it seemed as if the crux of the case that the prosecuting attorney seemed to really concentrate on connecting him to the gang, connecting him and affiliating him with the other folks that were accused, um, and not so much concentrating on his participation in, yeah. in the murder um, as much. Um, but it was it was in your article, too, that I read that his parents were able to post the $5 million bail, so yeah. they put up $500,000 for him to be free while the trial's going on, right? Yes, definitely. So he was um, he was arrested uh, shortly after the crime, and he uh, was released from jail. So he spent a few days in jail. I believe it was about five days, and so he was out while his while his murder case was pending. And um, you know, some of the people I spoke to said that this this made probably made a big difference in terms of how the jury saw him. Uh, they didn't see him walk into the courtroom every day in in handcuffs they didn't you know see that he was coming out of that little side door and being escorted by deputies he was walking around the courtroom uh he could be seen walking out around the courtroom so obviously jurors jurors kind of saw him and um he looked like a regular person yeah even even Cameron's own attorney uh Jovan Blacknell when was when he was presented with the with the issue of the camera get off easy because he was white and mm -hmm. um, the, his attorney says that he was not set free because he was white, but he did acknowledge that the jury gave him the benefit of the doubt and I think that mm -hmm. um, and, and the, the, the attorney himself doc even says that uh, oftentimes minorities people of color don't get that same benefit Certainly. and again things matter like uh, are you coming out of that side door uh, you know out of handcuffs are you in an orange jumpsuit on your regular clothes or yeah are you, are you, and so I, I think those things do uh, provide an impression. Um, on the juror. Now, yeah, I mean, I think that visual representation is important because we know that a lot of times white fear of uh, black bodies or the denial of humanity to black folks from white people has more to do with the projected visual image of blackness more so than it does their actual connection to real black folk, right? So oftentimes black folks are not given the benefit of the doubt because those white folks who are in a position of power to give them one don't see any humanity because they don't really know black people in real life. They're not friends yeah. with black people. They don't want dinner with black people. Black people don't live in their communities, right? So where do they get a sense that blackness is wrong or black bodies mean criminality, right? They get it from media for the yeah, most part. Certainly. And so this defendant being able to meet his attorneys at the park, like yes. Nicole mentions in her S and you know, in her piece where he was able to confer with attorneys at the, at the park or the law library. He was walking in plain clothes, dressed up nice, coming from his home to trial every day gives another type of visual impression yeah. of, I'm and, and makes him proven guilty. certainly, yeah. and yeah. makes him an everyday person, right? Yeah. Who's yeah. doing everyday things. And maybe, you know, he just got caught up with the wrong kids yeah. and, you and, know, and that you, kind of stuff. You mentioned that, Nicole, you, um, you talked to a law professor at USC, Jody Armour, uh, who talked a bit about studies and what studies show about in terms of how black folks are viewed versus white folks for the same crime. What was Professor Armour's analysis of the ways in which black folks and white folks are perhaps judged for the same situation? Uh, basically, he said that usually um, a white 
quote-unquote wrongdoer is often thought to be more influenced by extenuating circumstances rather than his, uh, you know, being a bad person. And black people are viewed kind of more unsparingly than than white people for the same crime. So with black people, um, these studies have shown that it's not they're not going to get that benefit of the doubt. They're not going to be um, with black people. People aren't going to think, oh, they're there's some something else going on there. You know, maybe no. maybe he had a bad day. Maybe there's some other explanation for this person's behavior. Yeah. Um, that in studies has, has shown that people don't see that. Yeah, and in fact, Terrell's own attorney, uh, in again, trying to present his client as, you know, a victim of circumstance, he talks mm-hmm. about uh, him being an only child whose parents are having, quote-unquote, issues at home. And so the teenager began hanging out, you know, happy to be hanging out in the, in the gang stomping ground. And I know, really but that's the, that's the thing that's the so, that's the thing that was so, you know, uh, troubling to me about it, too, is that, again, this idea of trying to paint a whole picture of a defendant. So his parents are having struggles at home. He was a lost kid. He turned to gang activity because his parents were going through it. Now, again, that just that rationale and that rhyme and reason would not go to a black defendant to me it would yeah. it would be this idea that again no the family's pathological, pathological. the mom and dad don't have values right they're working class or they're working poor uh he comes from an environment that doesn't have values the community in and of itself so there is no like oh this young kid is turning to gangs because they feel isolated alone or their parents are having problems it's assumed that they don't have any parents that their parents don't care about them they have you know it's like it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, but Nicole, so the, you have Josh Ritter, who's a former L.A. County prosecutor, who's now a defense attorney, and, and Ritter says that the notion that Terrell Walker because he's white is, is not a correct analysis. What does this former prosecutor offer as a, perhaps the reason why things went down the way they did in terms of the verdict? Well, uh, the kind of point that Josh Ritter is speaking to is that it's difficult for a jury to sometimes convict a defendant who they don't have evidence that he actually pulled the trigger. Okay. So, um, you know, Terrell, he's charged with murder, but obviously in court they're proving that he was the driver in the murder, but he wasn't the trigger puller. Um, Charging someone with murder who didn't pull the trigger is... It sometimes makes a difficult case. Yeah, it's tough for the jurors for the jurors to get behind. And Doc, you and I talked about this in the car on the way over here. Mm-hmm. And that, and, I, and you know, I consider it to be overcharging, and that happens mm-hmm. even with something like shoplifting or, or you know, mm-hmm. like like cops. I guess it kind of it, they feel like it's their job to almost overcharge with the uh, with the notion that the prosecutor uh, and or attorneys will then kind of sift through and figure out and plea bar- plea bargain and, and kind of go from from ten to five, right? And, and somebody let them so- sort it out. And so, unfortunately, what happens is. A case like this, although it worked in this young man's benefit, mm-hmm. far too often for black defendants, they're overcharged, right? So so I think they're probably having cases of black defendants where there's a getaway driver, right. for all intents and purposes, who's charged in the same way as a person who pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so, but in this particular case, you know, this, this former uh, prosecutor is saying that, yo, it's really... Uh, the prosecution's fault because they, number one, sought an overcharge. Right. And then, number two, they really focused too much on, the, you know, this... Uh, this they, gang they, they, affiliation. They, 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 they approved this conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it hints at that it seemed as if the prosecution was doing this really sensational prosecuting of him, right? Like, he's a gang member, and yeah. he went to the wrong side of town and was around the wrong side of... Pe- right, and that... For the jury, it's like, okay, it well, stick to yeah, for them, it's it like the maybe picture. involuntary manslaughter or something like that, and, you know, accessory to murder, right? I mean, something, some other kind of charge 
might have been given a guilty yeah, verdict yeah. as opposed yeah. to like. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, of course, a fascinating story. So, so after the not guilty verdict, where's Terrell now? What's is he still in high school? What what's like? What is life like for him now? Um, he has graduated from high school. Um, he after the verdict, he spoke to the media for the first time, um, and he said that he was going to go to the University of Houston and had a newfound um, love of the law, and maybe someday wanted to go to law school. Yeah. Okay. Mm, wow. Now, what about his attorneys? Because I, I think the, the brilliant strategy, Doctor, they did have as this white kid was to have black attorneys, right? And so uh -huh. ha have his attorneys, including black, no, gotten any kind of backlash or feedback from black folks who might have a perception that he helped, you know, basically a white dude beat the system that in a way that maybe a black or Latinx person might, have, might not have gotten? Yes, he, he told me that he did receive some backlash, but um, to that point, he told me that uh, the answer to that problem isn't for the system to treat Cameron wrong, but it's for the criminal justice system to treat Latino and minority clients better. All right. So. Well, listeners, this has been Nicole Santa Cruz, who is the homicide reporter for, or who writes, rather, the homicide report for the L.A. Times. Nicole, thank you so much for making time for us. I know it's much earlier there uh, in your city than we are here in Kentucky, but we appreciate you making time for us. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Nicole for sharing with our listeners and with us um, that really insightful and interesting story all about, you know, the justice system is a, yeah. is a tricky thing and you have to be aware that race and money, you know, play a role in, I mean, even here locally, that, that mm -hmm. race and money play a role um, into legal decisions. But anyway, Doc, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk briefly about um, my Halloween party from last week that I threw and how the costumes came out because you told our listeners last week about you and Missy's costumes. Yes. I know how they came out. We'll be sure to share pictures. So um, we'll be right back, y'all. This is Strange Fruit by Louisville Public Media. I'm Sean Cannon, host of The Guest List, where every week you'll get casual, in-depth conversations and guest DJ sets with musicians, authors, actors, comedians, and other notable weirdos for that matter. You know, it's, it's kind of like making a new friend at the end of the bar and then finding out they were in your favorite band. That's every week here on The Guest List. Steer into it. Welcome back. You're listening to Strange Fruit by Louisville Public Media. So we had fun at my Halloween party. We did. We it was a the ball. kickoff event for the Black Magic Festival. Yes. Really well attended. I'm really, I'm really pleased um, that it was really well attended. But um, y'all yeah. look fabulous in your outfits. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I mean, it was, like, too much, like, fake me out latex. And so I was, like, sweated the whole night. Like, I was so hot. And I had all that weave. I had that, like, what was it, 32, 34-inch weave? Yes, like, it was like a, I, a bone straight black. Yeah. And like, with like, um, no, it was body waves. What was a body wave? Okay, it was okay, Brazilian okay. body okay, waves. Okay. And I had 32 inches, and then I mixed it with the blue. It was pretty, though. And then Missy had on all that latex with the fake me out leather and that, like, crouch. That was like that crouch. Yeah, but that was, that was a space, was was like, space in her. No. Yeah, it was like those were underwear. They were they were pants, but they had this big. Well, you can put like a couch. essentially like like a cup. You yeah, can put like, you can like put, a, you like can a, like an athletic cup. Yeah, a jock. <laughs> but uh, she didn't fill it with anything. So it was just yeah. like hanging there, and it was like it, it was it was up. really provocative. Uh, and then she started whipping everybody at the party with my whip. I'm supposed to be the one whipping, and yeah. she was whipping everybody with uh, my whip. Okay, she was getting bucked. Okay, but yeah, but we so had fun cute. overall. We did. M MJ and Kristen came. That was really yes. wonderful. I was good to see our friends MJ and Kristen. Let me ask you this: yes. What did you all do? for Halloween itself this week because now, if you're not in Louisville, listeners, there was a big controversy in Louisville because the weather folks said it was going to be really, really torrential downpour come Wednesday. Yeah, Halloween yeah. night. And so yeah. 
you know, these millennial parents, these first world problems, the parents were petitioning the mayor, the city council. They were like, yo, y'all have got to change trick-or-treating from Wednesday the 31st or Halloween night to the day before Tuesday the 30th. Yeah. Okay? They're like, the weather's going to be bad. Heaven forbid. Now, again, Doc, when we were young. I know. What what was our, what what was it like? If it's well, right now, okay. I, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, so... My Halloween costume was always ruined every single year because it was freezing in Michigan all year round. And I would either have a snowsuit underneath my costume, so my costume was hella tight, or I would have, like, all this overcoat or big <laughs> winter wear. I would have, like, a, a knitted hat, yes. gloves, like, everything that ruined my Halloween o- outfit. Yes. So it didn't, I mean, Michigan always had inclement weather, but it didn't stop Halloween or trick-or-treating. No. And the same thing with, with Louisville, I feel like, and the, plus back in the day, our costumes were a little bit different. Like, we used to have those vinyl, like, those vinyl costumes, like a plastic mask you could barely breathe through. But, yeah, you pretty much put on your snow boots, put on your long johns, put on two pair of underwear, your socks. Yeah. And then you, you're, you're in your coat, and then if you're lucky, you put your cape and your mask over top of that. And you, <laughs> and you just, you just suffer, you suffer through, and that was part of the fun and the adventure. Yeah. You know, you, you wanted to be, you don't want to go out too early, but you don't want to go out too late because you want to get the good candy before the neighbors get away the good stuff, the name brand stuff. Okay. You wanted to perhaps, you know, go through your own neighborhood as we did. We go through our own neighborhood. Then we would drive down Emily's house and go through her neighborhood. Oh, You know what wow. I'm saying? We lived like in a white neighborhood child and they had good stuff, right? So we would get right. to go to our neighborhood early, you know, of course. And then we get in the van and we drive to Emily's, you know, it's shabby. Maybe because the black people in old black neighborhoods, like traditional black neighborhoods uh-huh. that, are, that were very community oriented child, they had. You know, it was it was it was fun. It was really fun and festive. So oh. I wanna say that we that we suffered through and I can't imagine people have been up being in the eighties and nineties like, Mr. Mayor, can you please reposition I know. I was Halloween like, what is going on? I was like, because what of the is weather. going on? I thought that was so But strange. you know, not to be the Halloween Grinch or anything like that. So of course I was kind of being a Grinch about it all, but then come uh Come uh, Tuesday night, oh God, I was I was what I was like stoned on my porch, passed out <laughs> candy. <laughs> but that was just the funniest thing when you were like, "How many kiddos have you gotten so far?" And I'm like, "We've had tons." You're like, "We've had I'm thousands." Like, I'm like, thousands. "We've had so many kids," and you were like, "I've only had two trick or treaters in three hours." <laughs> Doc, I was falling asleep. This is after y'all that on Monday I was like, "Bah humbug, y'all moving Halloween uh, to a different day? How dare y'all?" And you know, um, you wanted to grow up hair. You know what I'm saying? So then come, so then oh, come. Oh my god! You know, then come Tuesday. I'm like, yay! I'm like, oh Halloween! I'm like, I know it was and a nice day water, yesterday. I'm, the porch, and I'm like, have my little phone. I'm texting <laughs> like I'm so excited. You drop me off at home, and then like, girl, I'm like it's like getting dark. I'm texting you like, well, dang. I'm like, well, maybe like, oh maybe some witches like ate all the kids, and maybe like oh, there's no longer any kids. And, and you're like, yeah, we've had thousands and thousands of <laughs> out of candy, and I'm like, girl, I've had three. And I'm falling asleep on the porch. <laughs> Plus, I felt like a couple of the kids would see I was black, and they would, like, go to the, like, skip my house. So needless to say that oh my God, stop. Um, stop the, the spirit of Halloween was, was basically stolen from me. Oh, um, my God. So after the, the third, like, kid, like, literally the third kid of the third hour, yes. I basically was, like, uh, wiped a tear, I wiped a tear from my eye. <laughs> we, had, we had, like, plastic pumpkins in the yard that had, like, tea candles inside. So I, like, yeah. reluctantly... As I wipe my tears from my eyes, I go blow off the candles, you know, and <laughs> uh, close it off all the lights, and I like oh. tuck myself in the bed. So poor baby, my, no, no, that was my Halloween. Poor experience, baby, so. I wonder if people are actually going to come tonight. If the kids are going to yeah. come tonight, because but I think we're, the whole... we're, we're actually we're actually recording this show now. It's Wednesday, which is actually yeah. Halloween itself. So far, the weather is not all that bad. Okay. So we we want to know if the conundrum is going to be if kids will still tonight go. Yeah, I think they will. I think they will. But see, I, I mean, feel in like our neighborhood, the allowed. parents. 
Well, in our neighborhood, the parents actually come on golf carts. We have that golf course right by our house. And Girl. I'm like, how are they able to get these golf carts when the golf club or whatever is closed? Like, well, I first wonder of all, if that, was, that, was, that was a humble brag uh, oh, about, oh. about your neighborhood. Like, y'all live in a neighborhood in which we have to, must have uh, <laughs> no, golf carts, no, too. No, it was not. That was, no. Listeners, oh, my God, no. It's, it's cold. It's the first agreement. That, I mean, that was, I mean, you're like. That's the first neighborhood. They a limo to get to her. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. this is the first time <laughs> I've ever seen that in any neighborhood yeah. where there have been trick or treaters, where the some well, of the families. First of all, your neighborhood is, 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 is it's hilly. really it's really hilly because you live in a subdivision in which it's not because y'all you know you live in a beautiful part of the, of the county where it's like yeah. not like flat land, but you drive up it's to the beautiful house, hilly. and so the kids would be like probably like Out of asthma attacks. And, and, yeah, yeah you know, it's but um, too steep for them. But then also that's a great strategy because again they would go to your subdivision, your, like, your neighborhood, uh-huh. drive to the next. I think that's a really good strategy. So yeah. so the parents are like chauffeuring their kids, and then what they would park. The kids would get out and walk to your door. Yeah, okay. that's how they did. Yeah, and uh, yesterday it was it was Dorothy and the Tin Man and Toto, and their their dad was in a golf cart taking him around the. Was he dressed up or not dressed up? No, he wasn't dressed okay. up. The parents are never dressed up. Okay. It's just the kids, but it was just so many uh, cute costumes. Did you have a favorite? One little baby, okay. yes. One little baby was the Snuggle Bear. I don't know what that is. Oh my God, uh, Snuggle like Fabric Softener. Oh, no, okay. Snuggle Fabric Softener. Okay. Oh okay. my God. I mean, any costume <laughs> with kids because kids are naturally chubby. And they're short. Yes. Like, oh my God, they're basically like boom, boom. The only boom, see, I, I, you know, I don't like, get moved. Oh I don't. I, I enjoy pop culture costumes. So, for example, oh. what I so again, when it comes to kids, if you're not a pumpkin, I don't care. Like, I like a oh. baby that's a pumpkin. That that's adorable to me. Anything else is like what a waste of a costume. Oh because my God. The, baby, the baby doesn't know no better, and it's like okay, it's not gonna move. It's not gonna talk. It's not gonna. But I've enjoyed, for example, people dressed up as Cardi B. Like, the, you know that picture of Cardi B as a baby? Yeah. She's got a little afro. That was, that was, that That's was classic. Good. That was I've good. seen people do, I saw someone do Aretha Franklin. Oh. With a big uh, tulle red skirt and their heels sitting on, oh. you know, like, <laughs> in the casket. Um, oh, my God, I love that. Uh, Beyonce did Tony Braxton. I love her. One of her debut album and covers. And last year, her and Tina and... Uh, Blue Ivy did Salt and Pepper, which yes, I live. Yeah, Salt and Pepper. Beyonce so, eats it every yeah, year. I enjoy for pop Halloween. culture themed costumes. You know, people yeah. have done Barbecue Becky and all those kinds of things. And so, um, so before we let the Halloween topic go, I will say that what I'm most looking forward to, yes. uh, as I probably have said this on the show every year for the last six years, is the day after Halloween going to CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, uh, perhaps in a golf cart, perhaps on foot, <laughs> and buying all of the discount candy. Uh, now, but listen, uh, listeners, strategy here. If you go to a store in the inner city, downtown, West End, it's going to be 50% off. Cole didn't make note of this. It's going to be 50% off. If you go to the suburbs, the candy will be 75% off. Really? Yeah, yes, because remember when you lived all the way out in the East End, I would oh, always go to yeah. CVS. They don't waste any time. They always mark it down to 75% off to get, to get it out of the way because they want to now bring in what, Thanksgiving stuff and Christmas mm-hmm, stuff? But in the inner city mm-hmm. where I guess there's a lot more foot traffic and people are, they know it's going gonna, gonna to sell regardless. Things are usually only 50% off for the first maybe week. Oh, wow. And then by the time it gets marked down to 75% off, it's nothing but like, like peppermint or candy corn or black licorice. So oh, wow. go to the suburbs for your discount candy. Um, Doc, have you heard about the woman okay, what? who says that she's had sex with over 20 ghosts? Okay? This is, keep, you know, listen, y'all, it's thematic. It's Halloween. Oh, my goodness. She's in Australia. Her name is Amethyst Realm. She's 30 years old. She lives in Bristol, Australia. Okay. She said that she has been intimate with over 30 ghosts since she was a teenager. Oh. Um, But it wasn't until that she went to Australia on a business trip that she found um the love of her life. And this who is? Actually, this is the ghost to which she's now engaged. Not who is, who what is. Be yes, quiet. It's, it's the ghost. It's the... No. The, the ghost, no, this, no. y'all, this is a legitimate story. Listen, y'all, 
I got it from HuffingtonPost.com, but again, they, they cite their sources in the video. She took a business trip um, to Australia, went on a nature hike, and came in contact with what she describes as, an app- as, a, as a spirit, and she felt sparks like she's never known. <laughs> um, that she's like, she didn't think much of it, because mm. as often happens, you feel, you feel spirits move you in a particular place, so she kept walking, kept hiking, but on her flight home, she felt like this lover that she had met on the, on the trail had followed her home. Okay. And um, she says, quote, I couldn't believe it. I was happy and excited. So excited that we had to do something about it. So we headed to the plane's bathroom. And she says that she's now a member of the Mile High Club. Leave me alone. This Listen, y'all. Leave me alone. No. So, no, so, no, so no. The, so, the, so the ghost, now she had already, you know, again, she wasn't a ghost virgin. She had already been with ghosts, you know. But this particular ghost she met, you know, 20, 21 ghosts in. She met him on the, on the trail. I just, I feel he like follows her. That's kind of romantic in a spooky way. He follows her home on the airplane. He don't, he don't, he's not in her luggage. He's sitting beside her. And she's like, well, I mean, you're here. I'm here. They sneak off to the bathroom. <laughs> Y'all, this is, I'm, I'm not making this story up. And she says they, no. they, that they went to the bathroom, got out of the bathroom. That was nine months ago. And she says now she wants to marry the ghost and have the ghost baby. Okay? This, this happened on a British TV show called ITV this morning. This happened. This interview was from August. I'm not gonna play the audio because y'all know how I feel about accents, but I promise <laughs> you we'll link you to the story. Um, and so she says that um I hate this. And so they ask, like, well, how did he propose? I hate, I hate this and I hate you now. We, listen, y'all. No, I, I, just, I, I don't make no. the news, I just report it. No. So so <laughs> when she did this interview, they asked her, like, well, okay, but well, how did this ghost propose? Did he get down on one knee? And she says, There was no going down on one knee. He doesn't have these. <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm trying to be serious, y'all. She says, but for, she says there was no going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees. Oh but for the first time, I heard him speak. Oh, I could actually hear his voice, and it was beautiful, deep, sexy, and real. Baby, let me give me a ghost, honey. <laughs> no, Baby, no, them no. ghosts is coming. She said this, this ghost was deep, sexy, and real. No, Baby. no, no, no. Uh, I love what you do. So your they, they, like they, that. they. She said they gonna get married in the English. She said he's gonna get married in the English countryside. But they haven't quite decided the details. I hate, I hate this. Um, I hate it. No. But she says what well, it's worth that the ghost's energy is more feminine than a typical man. So I guess she's got oh. her metrosexual ghost. Okay. You know, because it's all about sexual flu- fluidity and, <laughs> and, you know, but she said that he's more feminine. Well, I would imagine than, in the spirit world you'd be much freer be, to do anyone, anything. Yeah, be, free, be free. <laughs> you know, but she says, you know, Ooh. she says that if you're making love, this is a quote, okay? If you're making love to a spirit, gender doesn't really come into it. So I really do appreciate oh, okay. that really evolved. Um, but and, well, and this, is the la- this is the last thing that we going to just no, I'm like, wrap the show up because I know that y'all are not taking me seriously. I'm like, I don't. She says, ghost lovers tend to be more sensual and adept than the average bloke, the average man. Oh, okay. Uh, there's always more of a connection because the sex goes beyond the physical. It's like any other kind of sex. The main difference is I just can't see them. You know what? Well, uh, happy Halloween, everybody. I mean, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And good luck to her and her ghost uh, lover hey, listen, and her ghost it, baby. It can't work out no worse than these real life men. I mean, no well. shade. I mean, I know you're happily married to a woman, but I'm still bad. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, oh my God. I haven't dated any ghosts when I'm slept with a couple demons in my life. You know what I mean? So the again, ghost I mean, baby, absolutely not. Yeah, no. I don't know about that part. Uh, but anyway, listeners, I don't make the news. I only report it. Uh, and other to say, we hope you had a happy Halloween season. Yes. Uh, if you all want to send us candy, it must be number one. Don't make it. Send us any homemade candy. It must be wrapped up and it's original containers 
<laughs> but y'all can Google for the address here uh, to, to Louisville Public Media. Yeah. Google Gladly. Of course, y'all know Doc loves uh, her Reese's peanut butter stuff. I'll yeah, take and as long as it's Reese's pumpkin. Yeah, Reese's pumpkins. I would take anything as long as there's no coconut and it must have nuts or peanut butter. Uh, but anyway, y'all, we love you so much. We hope you had a wonderful Halloween season, and we'll see you back here next time. Doc, say goodbye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Strange Fruit is produced by Louisville Public Media. Our editor is Laura Ellis. Our engineer is Kojin Tashiro. For more information about Strange Fruit, visit strangefruitpod.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Strange Fruit Pod. The views expressed on Strange Fruit do not reflect those of Louisville Public Media, its staff, or its underwriters. Strange Fruit is produced by me, Kyla Story. And me, Jason Gardner. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.